0: Hi and welcome to Dynamics update. Uh, we are recording this, this straight after we got back from from uh, um, a conference, so uh, we'll have to dig into what's happening with Dynamics again, and then <laughs> uh, and then we we'll figure out exactly where we are when we're back. So uh, with me, as usual, I have uh, Gustav Zunblad. Hello, Gustav. Hello, Johan. And. Uh... Today, we are going to talk about 10.0.34. So what uh, new fabulous things have you found in 10.0.34? Uh, a lot,
1: actually, but um, I'll just sort. I mean, there is no real like um, prioritization here of the actual items that I found. But the first one I, I stumble upon, because I start with finance, is the uh, global general journal page. And I think this... Feature with like global management of, of journals has been there, but uh, one feature coming in thirty four here is the um, ability to post in batch um, journals across multiple companies, uh, which I think that makes a lot of sense to to simplify and to streamline uh, the work where you have multiple companies working with um, financial, both from a consolidation perspective, but just from a efficiency that it allows you to to post uh, across companies, so you don't need to have thousands or multiple batch jobs uh, running and doing the same thing. That's cool. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my, my first one uh, is actually one of the things that, that I've been a bit annoyed with uh, in the latest years, not on the dynam- dynamics fronts, but rather on uh, everywhere else, basically. So it has to do with uh, Apple pay and Google pay. <laughs> I think that's a fabulous feature because I usually forget my wallet in the car or everything, something like that. And yeah, um, it's much easier easier to be able to just uh, keep my phone on me and be able to do everything so in commerce we are actually getting support full support for google pay and uh, apple pay using uh, the adyen payment provider so that's one of the cool things that's coming
1: yeah, it's. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's. I think every every release notes I read, it's something being added to that payment functionality, um, which makes sense because it's the only one covered in standard, right? You you don't really have an option if you want to go standard than to use the agent connector. So, uh, makes both both business and like common sense to um, to add the, what is expected by many different markets. I think our market, Sweden, is very used to we have another uh, you know swish um, i think norway has swips some of those are I'm not sure if they are even in the backlog so they they are typical things that you need to add yourself um but i mean the what the ones that people expect to be there it makes sense to to see it actually being enabled in standard as well um and it really drives the point home to why why build and maintain custom code if you can rely on the standard one Exactly. Uh,
0: so, what is your next one?
1: Um, looking at the list here, it's actually a bit spread out in my OneNote here, so I'm trying to figure out which one to take next. <laughs> it's a copy paste issue. Um, but a small one I, I, that hit close to heart is um, a warehouse a supply chain feature coming in for printing labels using external service. Um, and this is basically uh, allows you to to connect to, I think the ones that I saw were Loftware and My old uh, friend, Seagull, bartender, label service solution, I used to work uh, sitting in warehouses and configuring labels, ZPL, um, back in the AX days with like, you know, ISVs like RTWMS, different services needing the barcode printers to come out, which is um, now that I'm a bit more experienced, I think with like more mindfulness (laughs) where you need to like print it, oh, it was one millimeter wrong, then we reprint it. (laughs) So you have to Go through these things. But it, uh, that back then, it was really really frustrating. But um, it makes sense to have that as a possibility as well, to in standard connect to these services um, and just let it work. Specifically, if you're coming from an older version where you have these templates, which people might have spent many, many hours on getting to work, um, maybe it's easier for you to just enable it and, and reuse the templates if you have invested in these. So... Something I know uh, requires a lot of um, love and effort to get working.
0: Yes. So um, my next one is actually one that is also quite close to my heart. And it has to do with personal identifiable data and uh, privacy and all of those things. And I actually had to read the explanation of this a couple of times because it contains these double negations, which I didn't really understand. So the point here is actually that... Uh, there has been a functionality before that you could use to scrub uh, data from transactions in in systems so that you don't have to risk leaking it and uh, avoiding like GDPR uh, sanctions and so on. And uh, that's a good thing. Hmm. But there is a bad thing with scrubbing data. And that is that it really makes it harder to do Uh, troubleshooting and to figure out what happened if something went wrong because you don't have the identifiable data that you can use. Mm. So the previous version actually did remove a bit more data than it actually had to do. So what we are getting now is a feature that allows us to accept some data from the data scrubbing. So data that is not uh, identifying people will actually not be scrubbed if we turn this feature on, which is a good thing because then we we, uh, we don't have to have issues troubleshooting and also we still remove the data that we absolutely need to do for legal reasons. Mm. So uh, it makes things a bit clearer and a bit easier from a maintenance perspective. Yeah, makes total sense. And this is a very complicated area,
1: right? I mean, the whole GDPR and... and um, uh, Identifiable and scrubbing data, it's really, really complicated, spe- especially where, uh, well, in the new well, uh, landscape we live in, where data can reside on many different physical areas, like the production database, Azure SQL, and the Dataverse, and like storage accounts in between, uh, ensuring that you know about the actual locations where you need to scrub the data is, is very important. So, allowing for you to um, handle it more easily is always a good thing.
0: Yeah and it's it's also a good thing to not have to think about this exactly. because I I mean it's because of the GDPR PR regulations and and all that it's it's some not something that you just uh, like cobble together on a a uh, Saturday afternoon just to get it to work. I mean you really need to know what you're doing and you need really need to understand what is classified as as personal personal identifiable information yeah. because it's probably a lot of things that you don't think of as personal identifiable information so yeah, absolutely uh have a look at this in that case yes so what's your next one uh
1: my next one is quite big but also at this point not uh, maybe something that you can actually activate but um, there is a feature uh, coming an upcoming um the ad efficiency and the prospect to cash integration with sales. Uh, what that means is there is already, as you, most of you know, um, the, the like predefined processes with integrations for Jewel Write, previously CDS, uh, when it comes to CRM and ERP, uh, s- sales and um, FNO, where uh, this is an, well, I'm not sure to describe it like a, as an addition or as an improvement, but uh, basically it revolves around allowing you to set um, F&O as master for price calculations for generating price and totals on order lines, which might have been born in CE, uh, which makes, again, total sense, because I've, I've just recently been in meetings where we kind of discussed this, where where you do the order creation. Yeah, but for this scenario, we do it over here, like in POOS, but for this particular scenario where we sell something else, we create them in CE. Um, so does that mean that we need to maintain and replicate the price logic across different platforms, which is always a very, very complicated part of any landscape where you have—you might have pricing master residing in, in commerce or in, in just classic like uh, trade agreements and replicating the logic of any ERP's price logic uh, somewhere else is always going to give you problems. Uh, at least from my experience, it's not going to be. 100 accurate because it's complicated right and especially when you bring in the like customer context as well if this customer buys this and this and this on a monday uh, it will cost you this (laughs) so those things are very complex and what is in version 34 now is a number of different features Um, one is the calculation and push of prices and discounts and totals for selective sales orders now i'm quoting here but and sales quotations when integrated to sales. Um, and what that means is basically right now what you get is a button that will calculate uh, the totals and like prepare them to be sent back to, to uh, CE sales. Um, and it makes it possible to like specify a range of orders to be considered in, in the calculation. So you can have this these scenarios where you have a subset of orders that might have been created in, in CE. Um, where you need to calculate the prices and then push them back, and it what it says here is I'm going to quote again, but it's a very like um, specific note that it is all of these features are components of the, the larger one, the ad efficiency and the prospect to cash integration, um, where some of these components are required, um, and, but some of them also won't be fully like functioning or available. Uh, until a future release, because it resides, rely, also relies on dual-right supply chain solution. Uh, so and it basically it says, until then, this feature will have no effect, so we recommend against enabling it for now. So they're releasing this like a technical goal, perhaps you could describe it as, um, but you won't be able to make full use of it yet. So it's important, if you're running these services, it's important to understand them, and maybe you can do some isolated testing of the of the independent features, but you can't really make full use of it yet so it's a partial release I would say um, but for me I mean I know at least um, I know many scenarios where this will be very very helpful um, if it works and it makes sense because then you can really leverage the power of both sides where it can do easy order capture on the CE side where you're close to the actual like happening of the business like the business event for the, those people working in CE but you don't have to, to add the complexity of like calculating prices and sending them over and having the delays and also maybe the limitation, because uh, at least from my perspective, commerce and, and uh, FNO's pricing engines and the pricing, well, calculation methods are more powerful than the ones are, that are available in standard CE. I might be wrong there, but that's what I think.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. So my next one uh, is boring. <laughs> it has to do with archiving. But it's actually quite, quite important because um, the reason why I'm bringing this up is, first of all, because it's in preview right now. And uh, uh, it will, it's not that important exactly right now, but it will become very important because one of the things that happened when we started using FNO uh, back in the day was that we got a storage allotment. So we got a database of 60 gigabytes. And all of the customers that had one terabyte databases were like, that will never work. Uh, (laughs) And then we got 1.5 gigabyte gigabyte per user. And uh, for for file storage, we got 40 gigabytes uh, for the environment and then 4 gigabytes per user. So what happened was that Microsoft actually never enforced the storage limit. They just let you use whatever you needed because they didn't want to, to um, Break. destroy the yeah. system. So what's happened now uh, is that uh, most users, most um, customers actually has a lot more data than they're allowed to have. I mean, I've seen customers having around 400% of their, their allotted <laughs> uh, storage limit which is sort of a problem because once it, it will eventually happen that Microsoft will enforce these storage limits and then you're sort of have a problem. But the other problem is that there hasn't really been a way to do this. There hasn't really been a way to archive things you can do. Like uh, there are a lot of logging, uh, archiving. Mm. You can archive like a batch jobs and, and batch logs and, and, uh, executions logs and those things. But, but, as nothing that really creates a lot of volume so you can do it but it doesn't really make that much of a difference so what's coming now is a new microsoft is called archive and what that will do it will help you archive uh, for now general ledger and sales orders yeah so those are the main parts and and i mean those are like sales orders that has already been delivered might need to be there for historical reasons, but but you don't really use them anymore. They're just after the fact that they're delivered and sort of you can't get a return on it. It's actually static data. It just needs to be there for, in some cases, for legal reasons, yeah. in some cases, for, for historical reasons. So what will happen with this um, archiving feature is that it will actually push the data out to... The data lake yeah. and remove it from the FNO database. So it will be there for reporting reasons. It will be there for historical learning data for AI and so on. Yeah. But it won't be there inside of the system. With that being said, what you can do is that you could actually like build a, a power app or something that can give you a list of all of the his- historical sales orders for a specific customer, for instance, from that data because all of the data is still there it's just not just in the system
1: oh exactly and i, I think that makes total sense as well but uh, it really drives home the need to uh when you say the data lake does that mean like the one that we ha- already have uh, one feature for and which is now like coming to be replaced by fabric i would suspect and the one lake because then basically you you need to um, Just understand that somewhere you need to have a Power BI dashboard, most likely, uh, that can calculate all of these uh, historical reasons. So don't do BI from within FNO forms. You have to do it like you can still do embedded, but you need to make sure that your data does not reside within your production DB. And then we all, apart from like the sales archiving, I think we discussed this previously as well. One of the major drivers of data is. is, on the retail side, at least when you do commerce, it's like the payments, payment lines with this like blob data that stores the credit card information. And I mean, looking at any commerce um, operator, that table will be at least in the top 10, most likely in the top three tables of data. And there is a batch job as well for that, which I know Microsoft as well now kindly reminds users or customers that, hello, you have a very, very big payment table, uh, please run this batch job because it will delete the old blobs that you don't know, need no, no more. And uh, that's a very nice little setup. It's like, okay, just enable it. And that will both ensure, uh, from Microsoft's perspective, of course, that they don't need to store all that data. Uh, but also from a performance standpoint, it makes a lot of sense because rarely do you need to use these blobs as well and in any way in like reporting scenarios that you should not. Um, so just deleting them uh, and freeing up space uh, makes a lot of sense. So a combination of efforts here with archiving and these types of very specific batch jobs that isolate issues and right, remove them, like entity deletion as well. Uh, I think that's a topic that you need to ensure that you you know that you have your data maintenance jobs properly set up long-term.
0: Yeah, and, and, and as I as I hinted on when it came to the uh, identifiable data in... in um in the commerce solution. I mean, this is sort of the same way. Um, I think this will, this feature will require a lot of of work for end users or for for customers to be able to say, okay, so we know, we have talked to our lawyers, we know exactly what we need to keep and we're not keeping anything else. We are keeping only what we need to keep and the rest we store in the data lake for practical reasons but we don't need to have it in the system because of course it is like a a large database is more susceptible to issues with indexes and so on as well so you need to understand that that you're also gaining performance in the fact that you're cleaning out data exactly all right so what's your next one um, so my next one is quite large,
1: uh, but it's, uh, well, you can call it anything you like, but we added this topic uh, sometimes before. The, I was going to say the depreciation, you <laughs> know, deprecation, depreciation is a different thing. That's where something is written off. Um, the deprecation of features, uh, which, I mean, it can be divided into platform um, functionality, uh, but this one is specifically for LCS. Um, and LCS, <laughs> you might have a love hate relationship to it but um, it has had a lot of features um, over the years both for 2012 projects um, as well as of course fno apps uh, and there is a lot of deprecation going on there so it's important to to understand and just look at the list there's a matrix basically um, listing all the features um, if it has been used with 2012 if it's used with fno and if there is a replacement by another feature and I'm not going to go through all of them, but just a couple of examples would be the announcements, um, which are replaced by banners uh, that you can use. Uh, Then you have the configuration manager, which is not going to be replaced. It's not available for FNO. A number of different uh, topics here to understand if you're using. uh, We've discussed the impact analysis before as well. Uh, The system diagnostics. I think that was the one we discussed earlier before, that system diagnostics is be used for both but it's not being replaced by another feature so some of these areas will require a little bit more helpful information from microsoft which i know they're working on so again look at the list of features being deprecated both within fno as well as on lcs and i don't know now at least when um, what is going to happen with lcs in the future Uh, there is still a lot of stuff being done within lcs but um, ensure that you don't just look at what's coming as new features, also ensure that you look at what is actually going away so you can plan accordingly.
0: Uh, So I just have a minor one left uh, and it has to do with SQL row version change tracking, which is a new feature that is coming. Uh, But that is also part of, I think, a bigger picture. And you have to correct me here if I'm I'm thinking about this wrong, but it actually affects how... um, FNO in some cases is working because we we have been used to having like uh, batch jobs for very very many things, mm-hmm. but with the possibility to have uh, row version change tracking, we will hopefully uh, in the end open up other ways of of uh, triggering integrations. So we will have triggers based on what changes and so on. We already see that in the data events today, yep. uh, both for the entities, but this is also for. For the tables yeah. so eventually we will get uh, notifications rather than things being placed in a queue and eventually run with a back job so i i think this is a, a good efficiency thing as, as well
1: yeah absolutely i mean it's been on on uh, we've been waiting on the triggers but we've gotten a lot of different triggers like you say data events business events so now it's it's never been as trigger happy if, uh, excuse my little joke uh, uh, than it is now but and I think this also is a driver, of course, for enabling all of these scenarios where you expect your data to be in one lake, data lake, call it any lake you want, um, but in a near real time, like expected scenario. Uh, and I don't think that's achievable by using that, by leveraging like business events. It has to be on the lower level um, on the SQL side. So, next. Makes for improvements um, in putting your data somewhere where you can actually uh, retrieve it more efficiently than,
0: like, let's say, data. Yes, good. And uh, do you have anything else today?
1: Not today, no. Uh, again, just to read through your documentation uh, and understand what is being removed. I um, cannot stress it anymore, uh, but I'm not sure. What, are, is there a pause now
0: uh, over summer or do you know as it... Um, so 34 is going uh, uh, GA in June. Yep. But there is actually 35 coming as GA in July. And then there is a pause. So there is one more version before we have a summer break. And then, uh, then we we can be off for a little while. So the next one is is basically October, September.
1: Also, a good segue to again uh, because based on our both both of ours, not really sure knowing <laughs> when it's coming. Um, a little plug for the release planner, which we discussed before. Yes, the portal, which really summarizes this for all uh, three hundred and sixty-five apps and comes with great coming features uh, as well. So if you haven't looked at the release planner um, yet. Go there and uh, use it to your advantage. Yes.
0: Uh, I just want to come with a short reflection before we end mm-hmm. for today. And that is the fact that uh, when I was preparing for this today's um, uh, episode, I actually realized that the, the lists of new features in the release notes is actually getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I have a guess around that because... When we started using FNO, uh, there was a lot of, of uh, annoyance around the fact that we didn't have feature parity with AX 2012. A lot of new features, a lot of old features actually didn't show up in FNO mm. uh, for a while, which meant that, that um, uh, we, we couldn't do exactly what we did before and so on. And, and we could argue about whether that was a good thing or a bad thing, but th- we didn't have feature parity. And what I'm actually seeing right now is that I think we have actually gotten to um, to uh, a, a stage where we do have mostly feature parity, at least in the important parts, and that Microsoft is actually now putting things in the backlog that are new features. So we have already been discussing like the financial tagged yeah. things, and, and that's completely new functionality. Before that, we have almost only seen like, Newish functionality, so improvements of old things and and uh, implementing things from AX 2012 and so on. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm seeing that that we probably are getting to a stage where the product is more mature and where we are actually seeing Microsoft focusing on new functionality. I mean, the the new Microsoft Fabric is is one of the parts, even though it's outside of FNO. But but rethinking things, how we do things. Um, is is probably what they're doing right now. But it will also put a bit of more responsibility on on the customers to try to think, okay, so maybe we shouldn't be working exactly like we have always done. Maybe we should try to see if we can improve the way we do things. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and with that, I think it's time for us to um, finish off today. Everyone, have a nice time until the next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.